Let's welcome everybody in to the Real Kipper and Born Show. Leaf edition this hour and also game day. All right, what a week. What a week we what have. What a week. And it just doesn't stop in the next two hours for me and you, JB. We will race over to the studio side, get ready for a 6.30 pregame show that we will be involved with all night. Sportsnet will carry it regionally here, uh, and we will be a part of the show. We said, you know what game we need? Get us on the Columbus matches. You know why? Because JB is going to take a scheduled loss in New York City Uh to a guaranteed win night against Columbus. How can it not be? Uh, No guaranteed win? No guaranteed win? Are you crazy? Dude, the Blue Jackets, come on. I... This is a perfect time, perfect opportunity to talk about one of this team's worst habits is let that midweek letdown spots against out-of-division opponents that aren't that good. That never happens to the this Leafs. Is, this is a true test of, uh, of, where, of how well they're playing because, they're, hey, there's a chance. They just spanked the Blue Jackets tonight. Like, there's a chance they win big. But, but also, but, yeah. you know. I do know. That's the voice of Sammy McKee. Of course, JB here, along with Derek Brandeo and Jen Rolnick for the next two hours. And uh, wherever you are, download us if you get a chance. Or text us at 590-590. Okay, so if, in fact, the Leafs find a way to continue the trend of downplaying against their opponent, Mm -hmm. does that wash away like the last... 15 games of no. the season as a top team. We are. We no. Are, uh, no. No. Leaf fans, but we're built for this. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> you, you no, no, no. I'm not, it's, it's, it's not whether or not you're built for oh, that. We're, we're you adopted the dark. They were born <laughs> in it. <laughs> it's not whether or not you're built for that, but is that another knock against a showing of what? Uh, lack of focus, lack of commitment, lack of character Here's, that you can't come home and beat a team that reminisces an American Hockey League team. Buddy, they they're took a point bad. off the Blackhawks this year. What they're place are they in, Sammy? They're, 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 I mean, they have... Where are they? American Hockey League teams don't have guys that shoot in the net like Patrick. I, I, like, they're, not the, I believe they're not the Blackhawks. The Grinch narrator says, stink, stank, stunk. They, That's the Blue Hey, Jackets. Sammy. No good. <laughs> no, no good. Who is that? <laughs> you, pal. That was I, a great drop listen, in because just, that's the that's what I was going to tell you. I do. I want to. They're no good. But here's the thing: the Leafs are built to beat the pants off the type of no good that's like Nashville, where there's no real game. They can kind of sleepily go through the night and figure it out. The Columbus Blue Jackets do have Line A and Goodrow who could do something to score a couple of goals in a sleepy game, and all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah. God, are we chasing the game again? Have you seen their numbers? <laughs> have you seen Johnny Hockey's numbers? Does he have any? What does he have? What's he doing? Like, I actually haven't. And I'm about mid. To. No, it's not mid. It's bad. What He's projected for what, 50 points this year? He's having a bad year. He has four goals in 30 games. Is that <laughs> It's not good. Points. He has 15 points in the, in yeah. the game. Like, there, there are no signs of one of the top players in the game. 
No, that is not great, Bob. That is not not great. So Here's a, what, one a, thing I will say. In about 20 minutes, we're going to okay. welcome in uh, Aaron Portsline. He covers the Blue Jackets for The Athletic. Uh, we'll get into Johnny Hockey. We'll get into General Manager Yarmo, his job security, maybe even Babcock. You got to ask him. I mean, right? For like we, we, it's a story. Ask him what? About what the hell happened? It's well, it's all a story. Months ago now, but no, 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 no. He's into where they are. This is there's pain coming. This is. <laughs> oh my god, Derek! Oh my god. Okay, I was I missed that. Which one? Give, it, give us Babs again. Yeah. There's pain coming, <laughs> and there was. This is uh, this is all a domino effect. This is all connected dots for Columbus. I mean, poor Pascal Vincent. They're like. Here's the team. You found out you're the coach like the day before the season. Good luck. Uh, you have two mercurial superstars and a bunch of young players. Go get them, Tiger. Fantelli, did you hear the amount of tickets you got for tonight, Kippy? Uh, yes, no. Yes, in Toronto. Uh, please tell me only 10, 10. Times that by 10. 100 tickets to the Boy, Toronto Maple Leafs. That's his whole salary for the year. 100 tickets times two, 300 no. bucks a pop. Yeah. How do, how do you get a hold of 100 tickets? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's the best question I've heard. You're only allocated, I think, 50 as a visiting team. So you, did you he... hit up all your teammates for their two. So yeah, but maybe you're not get getting every... Some, somebody's from Ontario, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. But maybe well, he's, 10 guys he's give born, their two tickets. I mean, listen, born in Toronto, probably... Knows some people Isn't in Toronto. He's, he's an NHLer. Probably played a lot of hockey, got, a lot of guys. I would love to know what his total cost for that is. They got, uh, like, Justin Danforth, a young kid, is playing on the number one line tonight. I think he's from Ontario. God, Don't tell me he doesn't have Can I get five or ten tickets there. The Columbus Blue Jackets are third in the NHL in even strength goals this year. How is that possible? I have no idea. You know who gives up the most in the NHL? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they score somehow. I don't know. I got no further answers on that. But. Justin Danforth is from the Schwa. There you go. There you go. So he's excited oh, tonight. Yeah. He's yep. playing with Fantilli and Goodrow on the top line. That's a fun line. That's fun. Yeah, we'll see how much fun it is. <laughs> Are you after excited the first to period. watch Dmitry Veronikov tonight? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, it's a real uh, player. Is it? Yeah. They got. Uh, are they not the youngest team? Like half their lineup can't drink in Ontario, can Chinikov, they? Chinikov, Marchenko, Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson. It's the youngest average age in the NHL. You're right, Kippy. So let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first Clippers, Kippers Clipper on the Blue Jackets. Yeah, young team, lots of skill. There you, you go. Know, through through their lineup. Um, yeah, so they can, you know, they're in, the, they're in the top third of the league and producing offense. So that that would be the that would be the challenge. But the, the bigger challenge for us is it's just our game coming back here. You know, it's been a good little segment. You know, the schedule started to heat up for us. I thought we managed that well on the road, starting with a good home game here against Nashville. So now it's about coming back from the road and the same type of mindset and attitude as we did in that Nashville game. So that's what my focus is on. Wouldn't it be refreshing if he just said, listen, if we lose to this team tonight, I'm resigning. Wouldn't you love that? I mean, minus the maybe the resigning dramatic (laughs) part, but like if he was just like, there's no reason we should lose to them. We have better hockey players. That's up to our, us, to, to me and our leadership tonight to make sure we're the better team because we are the better team. Yeah. No one would ever say yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, like, this is when Austin and Mitch and like, 
you don't take your foot off the pedal here coming back from New York. Noah Gregor's getting two on the top line tonight. Just buzzing <laughs> against an AHL and a half team. Yeah, I I just I do really uh respect the way Sheldon Keefe can make every team seem like the seventy nine Canadians. Yeah, so he has a way of <laughs> He has know. to sell it to his team who can't get up for these sort of games. But going this way is not convincing them. Like, no. I wonder if it might be better if he just said... I'm sure they're all listening to his availability this morning and where Keith is like, yeah, they're good. Yeah. I swear they're but, good. Um, he would have given them the same message. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, what, uh, uh, no board clips to post up for the teams to motivate themselves with, right? Maybe, maybe they just play clips of the Blue Jackets best of five series from four years ago and yeah. roll that on loop. All right, you mentioned Noah Gregor. We'll get another look, I think, on the top line. Yes, he is. Let's have Sheldon Keefe talk about uh, his new number one left winger. He's taken advantage of every shift that he's had. Uh, you know, I think that uh, his speed, of course, is a great threat, and, and there's so much you can do with guys that can skate like that both on both sides of the puck. Um, he's done a terrific job on the penalty kill for us, and, you know, he's we have, we've been rel- you know, pretty much healthy on forward all season. So there hasn't been a lot of wiggle room or movement there for him. I think, you know, with, with Bertuzzi and Nyes and Robertson, those guys have done a good job. And, and, and obviously got Marner, uh, Nylander, and, and Yarncroft on the right side. So like, it's been tough to get him more, you know, because you're, you're sort of you're trying to get the other guys uh, going just the same, and they deserve their minutes. But, uh, you know, when things happen and there's an opportunity there, you want to reward a guy that's really just worked extremely hard, um, hasn't complained or asked questions or anything like that. He's just taking every shift and every day as it comes. Uh, and uh, you, you admire that and you need that as a coach. Not easy when you've kind of built into your lane and then you go and go get two superstars to play with. It'll, <laughs> it'll mess with you. You can get caught a little bit out there. Did you have any run of play where you found yourself with oh, players yeah. above your... Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, get him the puck or just do what I did 95% of my NHL career, dump and chase. But, I mean, when they put you with those guys, they don't expect you to become someone you're not. No, but what is expected is to make the right play at the right time. Yeah. And if it is abundantly clear to your coach and your two teammates and probably 15,000 people in the building, yeah. it should be... It should go to that spot. <laughs> it should yeah. go to that spot. Yeah, I get that. And that's they're not asking you to create something like Marner, like, you know, put it through a, a triangle and create something. They're just saying, if it's time to dump it, dump it. If it's time to pass it, pass it. Stay in your lane, that sort of thing. And I think that's good advice for Gregor. Yeah, I'm going from playing with Camp and Reeves yeah. to all of a sudden being 17 minutes and playing with Matthews and so Nylander. You're playing a different sport. Totally different sport. There must be times where you're like, all right, I'm planning to play Dizo, and they make a play, and you go, oh, we get to go that way. Oh, that's fun. Oh, the other end end of the (laughs) ice is fun. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. We will uh, keep an eye on that because it it is funny that he hasn't had the opportunity, you know, to get that time given what are you going to do? Take Bertuzzi down or, you know, um, who's the other one? Who's the other left winger that they usually have? Who's hurt? Nice. Nice is out. The the guy that we play, the cover. The the guy in the Leafs. Yeah, uh, nice, and he's been, I think he's just sick. So, I mean, they gave a little update. Somebody asked if he was back in tonight so we can get a bit of a update on the lineup if you want from Keith and Clip, too. Sure. We're, we're still kind of sorting through some of that stuff. So, you know, we got, uh, yeah, he's coming off of, 
you know, getting beat up pretty good by it. Um, and it's not quite at 100%, especially not having an opportunity to skate and work the bugs out yesterday. Um, but we've got some other stuff happening too, so we'll make a determination later this afternoon on, on what the uh, what the group looks like and, and, and how to best manage that. All right, Little Green could see action tonight. He could see it uh, on the weekend against Pittsburgh, but uh, I think overall, I mean, pretty good job by that blue line the last two weeks to to hold the fort here. So when Lilligren comes back in, it's one of Lagason or Benoit that's going out, right? I guess if you're not going to go seven, which you might go seven uh, originally, when when he comes back, they may go seven just to kind of ease him back in, right? right? Yeah. But like ultimately, one of those guys is going to come out of the lineup, and I think they've both been pretty good. So which one would you lean towards to be the guy that would come out? I like that question. Um, and it's one that I will answer momentarily, but I do want to give you a quick couple of stats on okay. Benoit and Legison. Yeah. Um, stealing this from our broadcast tonight because, you know, not everyone listens to everything. Um, <clears throat> William Legison is first in the NHL in D zone puck battle wins per 60. So he's ahead of guys like Zadorov, Tanev, Adam Fox, Ryan Graves. Just he hasn't played a ton of minutes, but he wins pucks, puck battle. And that does track eye test. Yes. He is, and he's a not a f- lot of fun to go up against. He's hard on sticks. He plays the body well. Like, I, that tracks to me. Fifth in the NHL in hits per 60 is uh, Simon Benoit. Yeah. Uh, you know, behind Luke Shen, Lundvig, uh, Jeremy Lozon, no Jolson. So. Okay. They're useful. Yeah. They've, they've been really good on the PK. They, you know, there's, I don't want to take either of those guys out the way they're playing. It's tough. Yeah. What, like, which way would you lean, Kipper, if you had to bring one of those guys? I, if, Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it is is Benoit significantly more minutes than Lejoie or uh, Lagason? I I'm not sure, but I think he well, I think you're right. I'm looking at it right now. So I I think Benoit has shown that maybe his range can go a little deeper. Career wise, too, he's over 150 games. Like Twenty he's or you know 12, 14 points or 12 or 14 minutes mm-hmm. is where I think. Benoit's ranges. I'm not sure Lagason yeah. can probably uh, carry as much for to sustain those numbers that you're talking They're about. Both around 15 minutes a game, are they? Yeah. yeah. Listen, watching Benoit at training camp, and he missed a good portion of it, did he not? Yeah. But he seems to be pretty comfortable with. A real simple game here. Well, I, I, I'd say I prefer him to Legison just because he seems like a guy who kills, you know, offensive possessions with physical play. Like, he just stops it and he's content to bank but it off the glass. If the one, like, the one silver lining of all these injuries to the decor is you're always going to add to this regardless, right, fellas? Like, you're yeah. always going to be looking to upgrade this, especially after Klingberg, the way it started, and then him getting hurt. But you feel fine with either of those guys getting put into the lineups, even in the playoffs. Like, if a yeah. guy that's going to play on their bottom pair for a game or two, Legison or Benoit can obviously handle, like, 12 minutes in a playoff game. Benoit so, is 6'4", 205, and Legison is 6'2", 211. So mm-hmm. they are just bigger bodies, which is something they, they miss. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's a good little silver lining, but it'd uh, be nice to get some help. Like, having Lilligren come back will help them. Also, uh, also from Sheldon is managing... Yeah, Morgan Riley's minutes, which isn't necessarily a, a a topic over the years. I don't remember at any point in November, December, 
publicly talking about managing minutes, which I like. I mean, the first time I you, you showed me the lineup, I'm like, nah, that's good because I really do believe not just Morgan but the big boys as well is managing these minutes and where you want to allocate them and where you want to focus here has to be a priority going into the back half of the season. Okay, so let's let's listen to the clip and then talk about this after. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was part of having seven guys in is you could they could share the minutes a little bit better, but um you know, we think those guys have the other guys have done a good job and and, and uh, earning a little bit more trust. Uh so that's that's part of it, but it's also you know it's back to back. So anytime you go into the to a game like that, yeah, the goal is to try to keep everybody's minutes down, and you know the game starts and hockey happens, and and it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. But um, you know, going into it, you know, not just Morgan, but all of our top minutes guys, are, you know, you're trying to bring them down, you know, a little bit, and and uh, the game finishing the way that it did the other night, um, you know, gave us an opportunity to. To not have to to grind through our top people, and Morgan's averaging twenty five a night. Yes, he is. Which I'd like to see come down. You know, it's interesting. Um, last year he was at twenty one forty two, so he's playing three and a half minutes more, almost three and a quarter minutes more than last season. It's a lot. That's a big jump. But I don't think it's unreasonable to ask your number one guy to play 25 minutes. He's 10th in the league in, in time on ice. There's 9D playing more than him. Yeah, I, I have no problem with it to me. Yeah, like, it's I, too much for me. But has there been a noticeable step back in his game for you, Kip? Listen, or is it more about the playoffs I, you're worried about? 100%. It's just his... Uh, and he was fantastic against Tampa Bay. He was a, maybe their best player in, yeah, the, first, in but the first round series. How about, like, making sure that that level can be sustained in the second and third round as well. And, yeah, we saw it. nobody thrive in the second round against Florida, including no. Morgan. Morgan's Morgan dropped like everybody else did in that second round, and that's what you're trying to protect for the next 50 games. Yeah, I would say the best argument for what you're saying here is that he was so good in playoffs after a season where he played 21-42. And I don't really think... The, like the second round to me wasn't about the Leafs being tired. I think it was more about them just not expecting what was coming with the Panthers and just getting punched in the mouth. I, like, I think, it, I think it just happened so fast for them. Like it, it, it happened to everyone that the uh, the Panthers played. They got they swept Carolina. Like it just they were just a different situation. But I hear what you're saying. You wanted to be fresh in the playoffs, but yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get energy out of them, Sammy. And that's they're slow, fast. Say what you will. They didn't have. They did not match they were, their energy. They were scared or their intensity. That's what it comes down to. They were scared. Of that team. I think. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I mean, maybe it sounds harsh, but that's what it felt like, and it felt like that earlier when they played them this year. So, yeah, I don't anyway. disagree with either point. You know, Riley, I think the uh, twenty-five. Then, if we want to back it off like a minute or two, I'm fine. But I like Sheldon's idea that that's why they went with seven on the back-to-back. You know, try to spread out the minutes a little bit. So Lilligren would certainly help out and take some of the load off, as would Giordano. Yeah. So um, shall we move on to the young fellas? Uh, or not yet. Minton and Cowan? Because yeah. we're going to have uh, Jason Bukala in the second hour uh, talk a little bit more specifically about uh, two, two of the Leaf prospects uh, at the World Juniors. Team Canada, Leafs, two players. So this is a been pretty rare. 
Like, I think, did I not put it in here? I thought I put it in here. Yes. Maybe I didn't. Oh, yeah, that they... The th- last time a Leafs prospect made Team Canada was Ian Scott in 2018. He played yeah. in just one game. Prior to that, it was Mitch Marner and Travis Dermott in 2015. Yes. Wow. So uh, that was from Kevin Papetti on Twitter, and I just, he laid it out for me. Yeah. And I didn't really realize how long it had been. Wow. And I think for, you know, I think the relationship with that tournament has definitely changed as I've gotten older, clearly. Like, they're, they really are just kids. They're yeah. so young. But I think for a lot of Leaf fans who, over the Christmas break are excited to watch a world junior tournament to have Cowan there and to have Minton there. That's awesome. Yeah. And for them, like, that's huge. Like, it's a really exciting thing. So, I, I don't know. I Kipper, you don't care? No, I want to hear Sheldon okay, Keith okay, talk good, about good. the prospects. Right, perfect. Let's have it. For the players themselves, it's a tremendous opportunity. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a great tournament. Obviously, it's uh, sort of the pinnacle of, of junior hockey, you know, um, in terms of best on best and uh, it's the stakes, right? It's the stakes. It's the pressure. Uh, it's representing your country. It's coming together, and you know, it's all players that are, for the most part, top players on their teams. But now have to come in and you know find a role, and you know, and do different things, and they're they're probably asked to do uh, in most cases on their own teams. Those are the kind of things that I think really help uh, top end players uh, to develop, and it's all part of sort of becoming a pro. Is you don't. You know, you don't, uh, in most cases, you don't step right in and get the same role that you had in junior hockey. You've got to sort of work your way through things. And yeah. I'm probably uh, more excited, or at least the prospect of having a bigger impact on the Leafs in two years for sure. Maybe next year is more Easton Cowan than... Uh, Minton for me. Well, you're about playing for the Leafs yes. next year? Yeah. Really? Playing for the Leafs. God, I saw the picture of the two of them on the bus in their Canada jerseys, and they are children. I yeah. I felt, can't believe Minton played in the NHL this yeah. year. I, I said to Borny, and I'll say it here, I don't like, yeah. you know, Pontus Holmberg losing his job to a literal child is probably not great for his career. <laughs> you know, it is It is crazy looking yeah, back. Pontus like, is, uh, like, I'm I'm surprised. How much he's on the outside he's, looking he, in right now. He's not even part of the conversation. No, he's, he's, trust me, he's going to be that prospect that they're trying hard to throw into a deal right now. Yeah. Pontus? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you could sell someone on like, hey, if you're looking for a fourth line center, Listen, he's got some value I, for you. Uh, I, think, I think he can play. I think if you put all the league's fourth line centers into a list and yeah. you put his name in there, you'd go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. He, but as far as group. Cowan's concerned... Uh, I think he just needs to get stronger, a little bit more mature. But he's got that type of game that you can mm-hmm. that you can not uh, commit to uh, Tyler Bertuzzi and envision oh. Cowan in in really two years, two and a half years. To me, they're they'd have that similar type of feel. Hmm. Yeah. And, so he had 39 points in 23 games, 35 pims. So he is scrappy a yeah. little bit, eh? He's, he's in yeah. the mix. I, I thought, he's, I thought he's he showed shorties too. This I year. thought he showed very well this year. And I, I, I thought when he left, he'd be two years away from being a Maple Leaf. But the hard part is you see guys come into the NHL with like, you know, big reputations. Matthew Nyes comes out of college at, let's see, 6'3, 220 or something. He's a monster of a man. 
it's still really hard, right? To not just to like, to be a, a contributor. I mean, like Nice is so clearly a good NHLer. It's obvious, mm-hmm. but to actually contribute to a team that's trying to win a Stanley Cup is a different thing than making the league. And so, yeah, I can see it takes Minton, a long time. Yeah, like Minton and Cowan can definitely play in the league next year. Definitely, can they help the Leafs win a cup during their peak time here? I I don't have an answer. It's just hard, is my point. Samsonov. Yeah, gets the start tonight against, uh, we believe, uh, Elvis. Mm-hmm. Stoyakovich. Brzezlikens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, like Jones didn't play well enough to hold the net or anything like that, and no. you need Sammy. Go yeah, Samsonov is... Go get your win he against is, He is the, quote-unquote, starting goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. You know, mm-hmm. Martin Jones is the clear backup, and you run with it like that until Joe Wall comes back, I guess. Like, like, I don't think Martin Jones is going to blow you away so bad where he's like, he's, you got to start him over Samsonov. Do you envision that happening? No, but I do think that, you know, you could still give Samsonov some rest. Like, Jones makes me feel very comfortable when he's in net, that he's able to kind of handle the, you know, medium-level shots, not not do too much. So, yeah, so he's not going to steal the net or anything. Especially when you think that there still might be work to be done to clean up his game a little bit here. For Samsonov. Yeah, for Samsonov. Yeah. That's why you would welcome in a Martin Jones to kind of hold the fort a little bit. Yeah. But not to not to think that Martin will be the guy once uh, Joseph Wall returns. I think he's just, like, he's the seventh defenseman of goalies, Martin Jones. He's not, like, you're going to put him in there. You're going to hope it doesn't go to, he's not going to win you the game, but you hope he doesn't lose it for you, basically. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. You hope you score four goals and... Yep. He lets in three. It's kind of what you're hoping for. So in front of him is that, you know, Riley, we're talking about how much he's playing, is paired with uh, TJ Brody, the guy we don't talk about very much. Do you feel like he's found, has he been better of late for you? Where are you on Brody, a guy who's... Starts to knock, you know, the amount of points that they've accumulated over the last, what, we said 15 games? Yeah. Like, but... Over the last 15 games, they have 23 points. Best in the I'm NHL. just I, I'm I'm not sure where it's looking long term for TJ Brody, and I do believe that Brad Tree Living still looking at shaking the apple cart on that blue line. Yeah. I don't believe for one second he has any vision of thinking that 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 blue line's close. The problem is. So does that mean Brody finds a way to? hang in there in the last year of his contract or do you does he get flipped out i just don't see any version of the leafs d that gets better when you trade tj brody because you have to start by replacing 20 some minutes of a kind of pk defensive specialist steady guy well we talked about this a little bit (laughs) yeah uh you know under the right circumstances with a prospect or a draft pick, though, you can go out there and and get someone with term. Mm-hmm. In that sort of role. How and about then, an actual and red then shot, some, And then someone, you know, a team feels like they, they open up cap space somewhere else. And Chris yeah. Tanev uh, is a UFA, but yeah. uh, a guy last night, I'm watching David Savard. That's my guy. And I'm like, go get... David Savard. For sure. He has another year at three and a half if you get Montreal to retain on that. So give give him an expiring contract in TJ Brody. Yeah. And throw him a... Uh, he's expensive. Savard? Oh, yeah. 
Can you give him Holmberg in a third? Uh, no. Um, the thing with Brody is, we talked about this a little bit on Lee's talk, this feels like he's always handcuffed. Because like, he's playing on the offside, and yeah. Morgan's firing passes over to him. And he's always, like, hitting him on the backhand, and he's trying to, like, dig it out of his feet all the time. Just playing on the offside as a it's D-man tough. must suck. As good as he is at it, 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 it definitely is a bit compromising. Yeah. Well, but, he always, he's done it forever, right? But it just it doesn't really look pretty. No, definitely I wonder what he would be like on his actual side. Be fun to know. Yeah. The, the other options, like, in terms of getting guys with term who are right-shot guys who are effective, I don't think the Sens that ever talk chicken. Do uh, Yeah, I think uh, until he does, he have two years left. No, I think he's just got one after this one. He's got one after this one. Yeah. So that's a that's another thing is if they don't have visions of signing him long term, and they already have a lot of money in that decor. Shabbat and uh, Sanderson locked up big time. Yeah. One, they, one year left at four six. Do they want it? Do they want to? Like I wonder if they fell out of it. Like they probably still think their season's not over, and they probably are justified in feeling that way right now. But if Ottawa feels like they're out of it, it's it's exactly. He's a left handed shot though. Is he lefty? Yeah. Oh man. Um. Okay. So Savard, top guy, Matheson, I like, but he's a left shot. He's too. a left shot too. The same thing. Chikrin and Matheson. So Savard's like your prime candidate. Right now, it's just. Yeah, David Savard and, and Chris Tanev and who else can chop it up out there? How about Jacob Middleton? Jacob Middleton is he? Oh, he's I left love too. him. He's left yeah. too. He's, yeah, he's left too. Why are I all love of you him. lefties? Because I, I've been looking at all the butchers, and he's a lefty. <laughs> Ritzelainen. Well, Labushkin, bring me back Labushkin. Uh, yeah. Ritzelainen. No, no, he should. Bring me Labushkin though. Yeah. Labushkin can. He's in Anaheim. They're dying on the vine. Yeah, it's. I think after the Christmas break comes here, because I don't think anything's going to happen before Christmas, right? And then after that, it's like, Brad's, get, fire the, the serious tech stuff. The time to start making the serious I do calls. think is that Legison and Benoit have bought the Leafs time where they don't time. have yeah. to do something. 100%. They can see if these guys take a step, but mm. anyways. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Aaron Portsline f- covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for the Athletic. will join us and we'll get into what's going on with them a little bit and if the Leafs are going to see uh, any fight at all out of this hockey club tonight. 7 o'clock, puck drop. JB and I all over this game. Oh, yeah. I love it. Sammy? Love it. Going to just sit back and watch us, eh? Yeah, I'll sit back and watch it. Then I'll do my show after. Chiming in from a distance. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're back after these words. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Just uh, waiting on Aaron Portsline, who will help us dissect what we're about to see tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that is, of course, the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, if if we go back, JB, a little bit to that uh, that series in the bubble with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which technically, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't an actual playoff. No, it was a play-in playoff round it was a play in yeah so 
<coughs> we had we had thought at that point that that organization had really good signs that they were going places, and it was led by Pierre Luc Dubois. Well, the the Blue Jackets. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right well, back then sure. in the in the bubble, did yeah. you not get a feel like this? This is an up and coming team. I'm not going to no. pretend I thought they were great, but yeah, I they, did. They, you know, they had goaltenders, they had some, you know, veteran experience. They they did have some pieces. I, I thought it was a coming out party for uh, Pierre Luc Dubois too. Yeah, well, as a he was big, good. physical centerman. Yeah, who when it went toe to toe with Austin Matthews and and won. Turned out it wasn't a coming out party for the Blue Jackets, but a coming down party for the Toronto Maple Leafs is really what it was. I also remember. Phenomenal goaltending, too, yes. out of Columbus yeah. at the time. Corpusalo and Elvis, who we'll see tonight play. They yeah. were really good. They were really good. There's no doubt about that. Uh, tight defensive team. The Leafs just couldn't get inside. God, those are painful games. No fans. Grinding defense from the Blue Jackets. Um, you know, looking at this Blue Jackets. Yeah, that, that never happened, boys. Oh, yeah. It also never happened. I, like, I, I, I actually don't even... The COVID sports doesn't us. even count. No, they carried us through that time. But one of my big takes is like all that stuff is just total. So even total, the Stanley Cup, the, yeah. the Tampa yeah, Bay asterisk. Stanley Cup asterisk. doesn't really count. The one that really doesn't count and the one that got a lot of people off the hook is the Dodgers winning. Yeah. And I mean, they are one of the classic choker franchises and they got off the hook. By winning, it was like a 60-game season. But the Leafs they, couldn't have got there off the, the Leafs, hook cup? No. You because, know? because I would, this is you would this, uh, may, this may be a crazy take. See, I, I call, hear me, hear I call on BS on hear, you. Hear me out. If on the this. Leafs would have won the Bubble Cup, no. you would have been the happiest guy in the world. I've I've said this. I don't know if I've ever said this on air, but I'll say it now. I'm happy the Leafs didn't win that cup because it would have been such crap for the fan base that would always have to listen to how it didn't count. You would, would never, never get the authentic. Never, you'd never ever get to hear how so great it was. In, ever in like seventy five years when you die, mm-hmm. and by chance the Leafs don't have a cup, I'd rather have none. You'd rather have none yeah. than the bubble cup, yeah, for sure. See again, I call BS. No, I'm being honest. I I'm always honest. In the but you get it. You get it. I, I kind of get it. it. I get it. Like you know, you don't want that. Like <sighs> Dodgers, like Dodgers have no World Series in my opinion, and like. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw, who's one of the all-time, all-time great chokers, See, got a, let off the hook. I'm a like, guy where, like, a win's a yeah, win. Yeah, we're competing. Nah. We're on the ice against each other. A win's Winner a win. wins. Anyways. Right. Okay, let's welcome in Aaron uh, Portsline from The Athletic, covering the Columbus Blue Jack. And Aaron, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, good, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. So let's just start uh, on, on your thoughts on uh, maybe the the disappointment so far uh, out of the Columbus Blue Jackets and how that pertains to what we may see tonight versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, geez, some major issues. Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, both performing just way below their, their career uh, tendencies. They're what you would expect from them. Gaudreau's picked it up here the last probably five, six games. Line A is still just a lost soul out there. He's on the third line tonight. He's on that line tonight where it, there are pieces, parts that don't fit anywhere else right now line. Uh, Sillinger in the middle. He's got one goal in 25. He's got four goals in his last 89. The number 12 overall pick. And Kent Johnson, who's been up and down this year, kind of in and out with the uh, with the lineup. Uh, so it's those two's, and then and then there's a a real issue with them 
having leads and not holding leads. There's been eight times now they've led in the third period and let it get away from them. Uh, you can just feel them tighten up in, in that situation. And you can just feel other teams, especially more experienced teams. This happened against Boston. Um, and you'll, you'll sense it tonight, perhaps with Toronto, just really sensing blood in the water if they need uh, to make a push late. And, and the Blue Jackets have not been able to handle it. So uh, those are two biggies. I could go on for a while here about what, what has cursed this club this season. Now they're starting to have some injuries as well. Um, and Good Branson is out tonight, third pair defenseman. Um, but I think those two are the two biggies that have really hit them hard to this point. I know we are going to spend some time on some of the more challenging aspects of this season for Columbus. So just to set the stage for tonight, are there positives right now from the season? Are there some guys? Are there some direction that, that's positive? Yeah, for sure there are. Um, look no further. Adam Fantilli, this is a, yeah. obviously a really big game for him coming home to Toronto. He's been really good. And if it weren't for a guy, what's that guy's name in Chicago? Bedard. <laughs> Bedard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People would be talking a lot more about Fantilli. Uh, same with the draft last summer. Um, he's been really, really good. And I I think Pascal Vincent has been careful not to feed him too much. I think the kid wants more and more and more. He's going to get more now with Boone Jenner out. Uh, tonight, he's he's higher in the lineup. We'll see what his, his on-ice usage is. He's been a good story. Dmitry Voronkov is has been a really good story for this team. Number 10, it's hard to miss. He's 6'5". He was 240 at the end of camp. I think he's in the upper 220s now. Uh, Big guy, plays a big game, but he's got really soft hands. He anticipates well, so that makes up for his – he's not a a bad skater per se, but that's a a large caboose to move about the ice. (laughs) Um, He's got some skill, and he's playing – with two other Russians, and that that line has kind of become a thing. Uh, there have been no lines in Columbus this year. That's all over the place with from game to game. But uh, Chinikov, Voronkov, and Marchenko uh, have really been at times an effective line uh, for Pascal Vincent, and they're together again tonight. So there, there are two uh, bright spots. One other I'll mention quickly: Elvis Merzlikens was god awful last year, eight seventy six save percentage. I think he had seven wins the whole year, maybe eight. Uh, he has been not back to where he was a couple of years ago, but certainly on his way toward that and a dramatically better goalie uh, than he was last season. This is his first game back after a, a stint on IR with an illness. So who knows what you're getting tonight, but he's been a pretty good story for Columbus as well. We're talking to Aaron Portsline, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for the Athletic. Uh, if if we go back into training camp, uh, just when you think about just that whole Mike Babcock fiasco and uh, and how it was handled, did it feel like it kind of trickled into the season? Are there ripple effects? Is it is the stink still on this organization based on on what happened in training camp, or have they honestly moved on here? Well, I, I think it's a it is a stink on the organization. I don't think that just goes away when you make a hire like that, a really risky hire, and then have it backfire before you even make it onto the ice. So that, and you just, all you had to do is read the statement from ownership to realize that Yarmo Kekalainen and perhaps John Davidson are on a much shorter leash now 
than they were. And, and they won't say exactly what success means to them this year, but there's a sense among many that changes could be coming if this season's trajectory does not change. I honestly think the players, I don't feel like the players even really think about that now. I think there's probably a sense of, in some ways, a sense of relief that Babcock's gone because God knows what he may have tried next if that's what he thought was appropriate upon first meeting them. Um, But I also think there's probably a sense in the room that if you thought it was going to be easier necessarily under under Pascal Vincent than it was going to be under Babcock, um, I think that's been a rough ride for some guys. Patrick Laine, a healthy scratch. Gaudreau benched. Uh, Damon Severson, who signs an eight-year oof, contract this offseason with the Blue Jackets, is benched in his third game with his new team. Now, Vincent hasn't been as loud, maybe as rough a coach. I'm guessing his speeches in the dressing room have a little more sugar sprinkled on them than Babcock's would. But he has not not shied away from making difficult uh, and kind of gutsy moves with veteran players early in the season, especially early in the season. So the, that kind of you know leads me to the theme of like decision-making here, Vincent making tough decisions uh, about the players. You know, Yarmo uh, has been there for a long time now, and the team hasn't had success and isn't positioned to have immediate success now. Is there any heat the GM position in Columbus? Yeah, there's no question that that, that is it. That seat is as warm now as it's been since Yarmo has been here. Yeah, um, they had a stretch four years, four straight years in the playoffs. Of course, the year that they took out Tampa Bay in the first round, the next year they took out uh, Toronto in the qualifying round. Um, since then. It, it this sort of half rebuild, uh, half rebuild on the fly kind of thing has not worked. I think you can look at this team and see a lot of young players and see reason for uh, optimism with them. But with Gaudreau and Line struggling so badly, I mean, that's seventeen and a half million dollars of their payroll, and the the results haven't been close to that there's a fair question can it work with both of them uh on this team can it work with those two guys at the top of your forwards are those the guys you need at the top of your heap they've not worked well together when they've played together on a line uh so it's been a very weird fit that way uh i think yes and and we spoke with mike priest uh the the uh president of the business side a sort of the liaison between the hockey side and ownership here. And it's clear that ownership is extremely frustrated. They just changed the coach. You can't fire all the players. So I think the reasonable, uh, the the place to assume reasonably that the temperature has turned up is with Yarmo Kekalainen and then again with John Davidson. I think to me, John Davidson's a bit in a different spot, 70 years old, probably on the verge of retiring anyways has had an incredible career as a player, a broadcaster, and an executive, almost unmatched in this game in that regard. My sense is that this ownership group would give him every chance to retire before they would just out and out fire him. Uh, but Yarmo Kekalainen, I think, would be held to a different sort of standard. Uh, Aaron, besides maybe a frustrated ownership group, which refuses to do anything significant, uh, you know, with, with Yarmer. Where is the f- fan base there outside of the 
the Babcock fiasco where Yarmo claims he did his due diligence and homework on Babcock like I did for grade nine algebra. Right. Where, where, where is the fan base on this guy remaining as the general manager uh, for what, 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, out of the first round once? Yeah. The third longest GM in the league right now, third longest tenured GM in the league right now. Uh, they're extremely frustrated. All you have to do, and I, I don't want to steer you in this direction because that's not a safe place to be sometimes, uh, but just look at the comment section on our website after every loss. I think there are two elements here that get the fans ire. It is number one, Yarmo Kekalainen at this point. I think there's a lot of frustration among fans with him. And number two, ownership. I think they, many people, in some cases, I think not knowing where else to turn, they look at the one thing that's been common throughout the 23 years of this organization. And let's not kid ourselves. You know, the Tampa series, the Toronto win, that's great. We're also talking 23 years here and not a lot to show for. Um, the losingest organization in the league since they've been in it. There's the, those are just the numbers. Um, so a lot of people point to ownership too as being perhaps too hands-off. Uh, it's funny how when you have a hands-on owner and your team sucks, you blame the owner for being hands-on. Yeah. When you have a hands-off owner when the team sucks, you blame him for being hands-off. I think they feel like the chemistry or the, rather the culture needs to be uh, – initiated and stated and put in place by ownership and isn't ownership's place has always been to put hockey people in charge and stick with what, you know, I think most people think that's probably the healthiest or best way to do it. But in times like this, they get some of the heat as along with Yarmo, but I do think Yarmo is at the top of most team, most fans list. Aaron, last one for me. Um, you know, we, we've all seen line. have these ups and downs over the years. So it's like, for me, it's not that shocking that he would be having an off season. Goudreau comes to Columbus off a 40-goal, 115-point season, uh, scores 20 and 74 points last year, four goals in 30 games. What's happening? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, last year he was better. He was okay. I don't think anyone expected 115 out of him given who he would be playing with. Yeah. This year, honestly, there have been times, and again, he's been better of late, but there have been times where it looks like like he's on a retirement plan here in Columbus, that he he got the payday to come here, a place where there wouldn't be a ton of pressure. Everyone would, would love him for coming here. And maybe the drive just isn't there as it was uh, in Calgary. Maybe he, as much as he loathed a coach like Daryl Sutter, maybe he needs that uh, pressure applied. I don't know. And, you know, I think back to the time when the Blue Jackets signed him, too. It was a weird signing in that this was the team that was rebuilding, mm-hmm. right? And they knew they were in the early stages of that. But if you think back to to where this club was there with all of the players that have left, and that became their reputation, the place that all where the good players uh, punch the clock and then leave, Panarin, Bobrovsky, Seth Jones, I could go on. And here is the superstar player, certainly a player coming off a superstar caliber season, saying, I'll go there. Do you really expect the Columbus Blue Jackets to pass on that? No. Right. I mean, so so now they've got him, and they already had line A, but again, the two just do not mix. But, but 
you know, Gaudreau, again, is starting to move his feet, starting to create. There's a case to be made, too, that that this team is not chock full of finishers. Yeah. That that he, some of his better plays and passes uh, go to die on other sticks. Um, that's fair to a point. He was non-existent the first 20 games of the season, just not engaged and not there, not a special player. Johnny Gaudreau, when, no matter what team he's on, you notice him when he's playing well uh, because he always has the puck. He's always going 400 miles an hour, and that just wasn't the case through 20 games. I think he was frustrated. I think he got pissed off by some of the coverage he got here. I think he expected it to be a uh, always welcome, thanks for just being here. And maybe through this, he's learned that, that that's just not the case. There's frustration for him as well. Aaron, really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Porty. Aaron Portsline from The Athletic covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. Johnny Gaudreau was plus. Sorry, they, go ahead. Go they, ahead. Yeah, like they need centermen. Like, I get it. Liney is no good this year. Neither's Johnny, but like they're asking Jenner Fantilli. Fantilli to be your number one centerman tonight. Yeah. And you know how I feel about too much too soon. Yeah. By the way, uh Goodrow was plus sixty four in Calgary's last season. Plus sixty four. Minus sixty four. Minus thirty three last year with Columbus. Well, a Almost a hundred goal swing for him. Wow. Okay. Once again, our thanks to Aaron Portsline. Talking Columbus. Uh we still got our National show here on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show coming up for the next hour. And then at 6.30, JB and I, Sportsnet, Columbus versus the Toronto Maple Leafs from Scotiabank Arena. Stick around. Plenty more here on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. And I'll tell you how to fix it, Columbus. Oh, nice.